الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن ولا Welcome everybody to the Sufina Society podcast. We are back and we've had a couple episodes, but this is an episode that I have been looking forward to to recording for a long time. And I've been talking about this book for a long time, ever since I got my own copy, uh, thanks to the author and our guest today, Mahdi Lak. And this book is The Opening of the Hearts by Sayyidina al-Imam Jalal al-Din al-Siyuti. And it's in explan- uh, the explanation of the states of the deceased and of the grave. Now, I've been saying this for a long time. We Muslims are, we're fighting. Right? We have principles that we don't submit, that we don't back down on. Uh, we're not going to shut up on and that we're not going to capitulate on. And the world is pushing, is extremely pushy. Right? The left has become extremely pushy. And so, so many of us feel that we're just in this pushback all the time. And we could call this heresiology, commanding right, forbidding wrong, whatever, survival. I just call it survival. Because if someone's shouting at the top of their lungs, right, uh, and they're basically working 24 hours a day to jam this material in your face and this, this rubbish in your face, we got a response. If you mm. sit there, you're going to be, community's going to be eaten up alive. Mm. But we also have to refuel. Mm. And our refueling is our spirituality. And if anyone has uh, memory, back in the day, there was uh, Lightning McQueen. Lightning McQueen went around and he thought he could win the race without fueling up. Well, what happened to him? His wheels blew out and he ran out of gas, right? Mm. We have to fuel up and our fuel is our spirituality. So sometimes you literally have to turn the world off and you have to spiritualize. This book, you have to own this book. It's one of those books that you, uh, and, and we're not getting paid for this plug. Nobody gets paid for this, anything, right? <laughs> so that you know that this is completely a genuine from myself. It's one of these books that's got to be on your shelf. You, first of all, you're never going to finish the book. It's, I'm looking here, it's 500, it's 470, it's 486 pages. And the bibliography is only one page. There's literally nothing but book here, right? There's not like, an intro and a forward and then commentary and how, what, what, what the resources were used, right? It's straight. The book begins literally on page 19 and it goes all the way through for over 480 pages of hadith after hadith after hadith and sayings of companions uh, and other things like that in small tidbits, not, not big running texts. Okay. And that's why I love this book, because you can just pick it up and read an entry and you could remember the entry because every entry is numbered. Right. So entry 614, you like it, you write it down 614 and you can my advice on the first page is empty or the last page is also empty. Right. Like the, the back of the bind, you write the entries that you like there so you can go back and read them and the page number. So. That's my introductory statement on why I feel and Mehdi is the same way. He's fighting this rubbish all the time uh, and the stuff that's leading everyone that is making no sense. He's fighting it all the time, but we can't burn out. We have to refuel and spiritualizing ourselves is our way to refuel. Dhikr al-akhirah is it's our meat and potatoes. It's our real nourishment. So with that, with that opening uh, monologue, I now introduce the guest that I'm very happy to have. 
And it's me and him. And inshallah, Alex will join us later on. My brother from England, Mehdi Lak. Welcome to the program and welcome to the Safina Saidi podcast. for that introduction. Alhamdulillah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you, that's what you found in the book, mashallah. I'm glad that's how you found it and that you benefited from it, mashallah. And like you said, I'm guessing you're still reading it. Yeah, it's one of those books that I don't want to finish it, right? Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And, and I can't read it. It's I don't even know if it's meant to be read directly through. Maybe it is. But I, uh, with my attention span, I go to the chapter that I am interested at that moment, right? Mm, so yeah. every day I open up to page nine, which is the contents. Uh, or every time I, I pick this up and I read a different, you know, chapter, mm-hmm. I, I tend to read the optimistic chapters, right? Yes. Yeah. And then, and there are plenty of them. And then I read those and I circle the ones that I, I write down the, the uh, entry of the ones that I, that catch my attention. And yeah. usually that'll last maybe a couple durus and a juma or two. Right. And I'll just keep, I'll keep talking about it and keep citing Mm. that hadith. You know, so uh, that was my introduction about the the type of book that we have in front of us and it's, it's role in our lives, but that wasn't an introduction of our guest. Mm. We now need to do an introduction of our guest, Matthew Locke. And I'm going to do that introduction by a series of Q and a, first of all, we met uh, in Mecca, Mecca al-Mukarrama. Alhamdulillah. You were living there. Yeah. Uh, you're now in London, England. I'm in the north of England temporarily. Uh, yeah. Uh, which yeah. city? Uh, Bradford. Bradford, England. Yeah. But you're an American. No. You're not an American. You're Canadian. No. Neither. But you have an American Neither. accent. Well, what's the explanation? I, I don't know what accent I have. If <laughs> 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 I, I say I'm Bradford long enough, people think I'm Irish. Um, <laughs> No, my 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 story, uh, my background story. Um, uh, first of all, before I start, it is true. I'm not I'm not making this up. It's true. Um, oh. It's very very weird. Um, I'm I'm actually English. I'm an Englishman. Ajib. So what I happened to Eng- the accent? Did you move? Yeah. Well. Okay. My dad is English. All right. That's okay. my my dad is English. My my mother is Russian. Russian. Okay. Yeah, my mother's Russian. Okay, uh-huh. that's that's why I look Syrian. <laughs> well, that that happens. People think yeah. I'm Syrian. Yeah. Um, so, but my mother, her parents, they fled from the Soviet Union uh, during World War II, right? During the Second World. So, uh, that 90, 39, 45 period of time, um, and they fled. They fled to Canada. Okay. So my mom was born and raised in Canada. Mm. Okay. So, but then she went. She studied uh, for, for university. Studied. She died in the UK. She met my. She met my dad. Um, um, my dad at the time was finishing off his PhD, uh, and then he got a job in Sweden uh, for about two years. And I was born in Sweden. Ajib. So I was born in Sweden. Uh, then my dad's contract finished because it was only like a two-year contract, I think. Then my my mom and dad had a meeting. They said, "Where do we go next?" My mom said, "Well, you know, we could go to Canada." So we ended up moving to Toronto. My, my, my dad was a professor at, at University of Toronto for oh, about 15 years. Hmm. Um, my parents divorced from that pro- during that time. And then I moved with my dad to Denmark in 96. I was there for four years. I finished my high school in Denmark. And then I came back, 
back to the UK, quote unquote. That's, well, that's the only time I left actually in the UK was that time. It's from university. I was at Leeds for four years, which included one year in Morocco because it was an Arabic history degree. And then uh, after that, I moved to the city of Nottingham in the UK. I was there for four years. And then I moved abroad. I moved to Morocco. I was there for, I don't know why I'm saying abroad for that move, but yeah. I was moving. Um, so I moved. So yeah, so I moved to Morocco. I was there for four years. And then after that, I went to, um, and then I was in Jeddah uh, for another eight years after that. Okay, yeah. so summary is you're a product of the Allied forces, right? <laughs> America, England, and Russia. And yeah. then you jumped around various socialist countries, right? Uh, well, uh, Sweden, yes. Social Democrats, yes. Yeah, uh, I should say snowy socialist countries, right? Yeah. And then you started bouncing around the Islamic world. Yeah. So you end up uh, traveling then to these Islamic countries. And then now where does Islam come into the picture here? Before or uh, after? Okay, well, I, I, be I became Muslim in 2000, in the year 2000. Yeah, so I was, because when I was living in Denmark, um, that was when I, uh, that's when I first got exposed to Muslims, I think. Um, cause I was in international schools cause I, I had to be in international schools where English was the main language. Um, because, uh, obviously I don't know Danish mm -hmm. and Danish is not an easy language to learn. Mm -hmm. So that's where, that's where I first came across Muslims from, uh, different parts of the Muslim world, like, um, Egypt, Pakistan, uh, Bahrain, Iraq, um, Malaysia even. Um, so that was my first exposure to Islam and that was, um, part of the learning process, because again, what, I think when I reached my, you know, those late teen years, you know, like 15, 16, 17, years, I, I, I was, um, uh, to cut the long story short, I was really bored of the, that, that whole, um, teenage, you know, the teenage Western scene, you know, the, the partying and the dating and all that. I, I, I did not see the, the fruit. I, I, I did see the, like, what's the point of this? Like, is this, <laughs> what am I getting out of this? I, I, I knew there was a deeper meaning and there's, there's something deeper going on. And again, I, I was always um, a religious person. I mean, I was, cause I was raised, cause you, know, you mentioned my background. I was raised in the, in the Russian Orthodox church. Uh, not, not Anglican because, because my, my dad actually converted to the Russian Orthodox church. Oh, Imran Hussein would be very proud of you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you're familiar with that reference, but okay. those who are familiar with it are going to be familiar with it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, so I was, I was raised in, in, in the, in the Russian Orthodox church. So, um, so I, I mean, I, I, I always, I, I never had doubts about the existence of a creator and the existence of my Lord. I know I always, um, I regularly what they call prayed, you know, which is essentially, you know, I always did that. So it was not, um, hard to put a piece together with Islam. Yeah. It was an art. The, the issue really is, again, Islam is called submission because that's what it is all about. You just have to submit to it. You know, convincing someone of the truth is not, that's not the hard part. Mm, mm. Right? The real the real thing is the submission. So submitting, submitting to it is not easy because again, I, that's what I was looking for. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't want to go too in-depth. I, I, have, I have actually done an, an in-depth podcast on this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> On the on the Russian Orthodox side, or or, or the, the whole the whole story of becoming Islam, coming to Islam, because I I did do that book a few years ago, uh, the Big Step. Yeah, yeah, and so and I did do on my own on my own channel. I, I did do like a an interview uh, 
uh, I was interviewed by my, my, my teacher, Hajj Abu Jafar, and he, so we did that. That was, a, that was in two parts. That was maybe like, that was maybe two, three hours total. No, it's an interesting story uh, to travel around all these countries, Toronto, yeah. Denmark, Sweden. Did you get yeah. good at hockey after all these places? You should, I mean. Yeah, um, I did. I did play on a team as a kid. I was I was not great. I mean, because I mean, I could skate, but yeah, I, I, I wasn't great because I started I started too late. I mean, if you want to be if you want to be really good at hockey, you have to start at the age of you know three or four. I started around eight. Yeah, I was too. I was way too late. That was way too late. You know, in hockey, they have something uh, called uh, at least in the olden days when there were not too many adults around in hockey when it was actually like a fun you know kids mm. game. Uh, now there's too many sponsors and coaches and people's careers are on the line. The kids are all, it's so structured and so rigid, mm. right? There's no, you know, free time and flexibility anymore in the sport, but point, uh, they used to be uh, a guy who was an enforcer, right? Mm. Every great yeah. team has an enforcer, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. We in Sunnah, we need enforcers, man. Right. Yeah. We just get pushed around Sunnah within Islam, mm. but also Muslims in general. Right. Yeah uh we don't have an enforcer yeah. that, like that team that just gets battered around well i, and- I remember from, i remember from my time i remember because because I, I i was really into hockey like back in the, in the early 1990s so i remember the toronto maple Leafs. i remember people like uh like wendell clark and yeah and ken baumgartner i remember i remember these people yeah. they, that's what that's where they're like they're, they're the heavy hitters they're the guys that would go up and mess around the opposition well literally the forwards <laughs> and, and, and intimidate them yeah, the forwards, uh, your skilled forwards cannot survive if they don't have an enforcer. They're just going to get smashed and ramped, right? Yeah. Uh, left and right. And in European hockey, they don't allow fighting. Well, guess, yeah. what, guess what that actually resulted in? More injuries. Yeah. Because you could cheap shot somebody and no consequence is going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, so that's why it's sometimes when you think that the existence of some pain mm. is actually a deterrent from a lot more pain. Yeah. Right. And in Europe, the rink is a lot bigger mm-hmm. and there's no fighting. You can cheap shot people all day long and just yeah. you'll get a two minute penalty, four minute penalty, maximum five, maybe a game misconduct. But wow. you're not going to get hit. Right. Yeah. And if you can take out one of the best players on the other team and really mm-hmm. make him scared. Yeah. That he's going to lose his career if he tries to make that, you know, uh, uh, yeah. to, to skate that way again. Mm. Uh, if the cost of that is a game misconduct or a five minute penalty. That's not a problem. Right. Yeah. But if the cost of that is actually having to fight somebody like mm-hmm. a Bob Probert or Joey Koser, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, yeah. you're going to think twice. Right. Or, wow. You know, so that's, I, I, I that's can't talking about hockey. I can't, I never thought I'd be talking about hockey. With you. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just stunned. This was, this was not on my radar at all. You know, when I, when I, 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 I remember these names, I haven't heard these names since 1994. <laughs> what, what are you doing? Dr. Shaddy? <laughs> I, I can't help, but see hockey was my life growing up. Right. Uh, oh, I, had wow. a, I had a, I had a section that had these, you know, the Islamic mm. pictures like Quran, uh, Surah, Kaaba, Prophet's mm. Mosque. My other corner had all the hockey pictures on the other side. When I still, till today, when I see something that bothers me, you know, what comes to my mind is an enforcer. Is like, you know, okay, uh, Dave Semenko, right? One of these yeah. guys. To go you, mentioned, just... you, mentioned, you mentioned Bob Probert. I remember because that, that, that was, those are the classic fights between Wendell Clark and Bob Probert. These are those classic are the fights. The and then there's Bob Probert and Ty Domi. Ty Domi twice, right? Yeah, yeah, from, yeah, because he because he was at the New York Rangers and he moved to yeah. the league. And, yeah. and and Bob Probert, man, he was rough. He was actually banned from Canada. The guy, 
he was so crazy because he was on coke the whole time. Yeah. The moment he got actually like they sent him to rehab and they cut him from the wings and he went to the Blackhawks, he became a human being. Oh, wow. Like he wins one, he loses one. Right. Okay. Uh, wow. His mean streak was gone because he's off of cocaine. Wow. Messier in Edmonton was on cocaine like half the time. Wow. That's why he literally is taking people's heads off with his with his elbows and his shoulders. <laughs> right. And people wow. are so scared of Messier because he's on cocaine. Right. He's running wow. around with no feeling in his body. Right. Okay. <laughs> Smashing people with reckless abandon. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm telling you, those that energy is so seared in my head. I feel like I wish I could, I could mentally sort of do that to some people. Right. Wow. Any event you can't. And here we are. Uh, we drifted off, but let's get to our book here because this, this book is a heavy hitter. What, what inspired the book and give the, our listeners a summary of this wonderful, uh, you know, piece of scholarship. Okay. So this, this, this story, um, the story of this book, uh, it's there. I, I put it in the introduction. Um, and I, and I, and I've, I've dedicated this book, um, to my mother-in-law. Mm. That, that that's how the story starts because it's now been 10 years it's been 10 years um so back this is ramadan 1432 which fell in august of mm. 2011 so few, about four months before that around april I was, around april time so i was living in um morocco mm -hmm. uh with my wife and uh the news came that she had been diagnosed with uh, lung cancer um, your, your mother-in-law yeah just in april and again I, i'm probably not like my, like many men out there but i was actually very close to my mother-in-law mm -hmm. <laughs> I, mm -hmm. I actually did I, I loved her dearly and i i was enjoyed going to see her i enjoyed having her uh you know stay with us visit us um so not typical at all <laughs> as many people mm -hmm. think so so she, she, she was diagnosed. Um, and then I, I, um, my wife and I agreed that she, my wife would go back to the UK to still look after her in that meantime. So, cause I still had work, I, I was teaching and stuff like that. And then I went again, just in, in Ramadan or just before Ramadan, I went back and, um, you know, her situation had just deteriorated. It's only just only like say a four month period. Um, it deteriorated really uh, quickly, and it, it was just you know we we had to face death. That that was that was like it's just just going to happen, right? That's that's how my wife was talking to me. That's how her sisters were talking about it. It's just saying, you know, like it, and it, and it's it's part of this thing that that's kind of what you learn reading the book afterward. You learn that that you know the believer knows. That's the thing. The, 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 the believer knows um, when his time is up. There's like a thing. I, I remember, I remember it's interesting because I, I was reading, I was doing fiqh and usul with one of my teachers in Morocco, Stad Ali Filali. Uh, and my wife was also doing lessons with him. Uh, she mm -hmm. was doing like Olum al-Quran. And he just said to her in one lesson, I forget the context, he just said to her, listen, he said, al-mu'man ya'rif, right? The believer knows when his time is up, right? And you, sure enough, you read in the book that Allah, this is a hadith about this, how an angel is sent and there's a messenger and you're, you're told that, you know, the believer gets the time. So, so my wife, before this book was even, you know, even known of, my wife was saying, like, you know what, my mom is actually giving these signals. You know, she's saying, I don't think, 
I've got much longer left. And, my, and then my wife said, you know, my wife was saying to me, you know what? I've actually noticed like over the past few years, she'd been saying these kind of things. Cause like, I, I think maybe two years before that they'd gone together to renew their passports, mm. right? They renewed their, they went to, I think it was, I think they went to Liverpool that time and they renewed their passports and they got them back and it's got the new expiry date, which is, you know, 10 years in the future. And my mother-in-law sort of looked at her passport and she said, oh, that's cute. I don't think I'll be, I don't, like I'll be around that long, you know? SubhanAllah. You know, like just didn't, <laughs> like, you know, like, ooh, look, it says, you know, expires in the year 2019. Oh yeah, like I'll be around, you know, just doesn't, just didn't see that. So that was this case of, of um, you know, so first we had to just, so, so I arrived like just towards the end of it, like the last two weeks and just this, everyone was in this, this mode of just bracing themselves. Um, and, you know, I was trying to be optimistic, but I'm just making du'a, saying, oh, Allah, you're you know, making, making lots of du'a. But I just remember, you know, those last 24 hours, like just, you know, like, like leading up to her death, last 24 hours, visiting her in the hospital. And, you know, I, we were all there as a family. We were watching her, and she was clearly in a lot of pain, right? Because the cancer is, like, in the, in the latter stages. She's clearly in a lot of pain. And I remember just, like, I'm just looking at her, and I'm just making du'a, and just saying, oh, how much fiha, how much fiha, how much fiha. But then I'm seeing her um, in so much pain. And then my du'a just changes. My, my, my du'a just goes from Allahumma shfiya to Allahumma arhamha. Mm. Right? I, I can't, I, I, like, just maybe shifa is not what's really going to be the best thing for her. Maybe it's just time for her to have mercy. And whether that's to be alive, whether that's better in death, then Allahumma mm-hmm. arhamha. So, um, that's what I, that's what I did. And, and, um, you know, we, we went back home and I think just one of my wife's sisters stayed with her that night. And then the next day, uh, cause it was Ramadan. So on the next day I just had Suhoor. I remember I just had Suhoor and I was just like getting ready for Fajr. And then the sister calls from the hospital and says, that's it. Subhanallah. Well, she, she's gone now. Subhanallah. Um, it was like this. Um, it was early Ramadan because I because again it was like the second day of Ramadan. Um, and, what day um, of the week was it? I believe it was a Tuesday. I believe mm. it was a Tuesday. If memory serves it correctly. Um, if you know so, the days of the week. Yeah, because I ask if it was like a fr- you know Friday deaths are so blessed in Ramadan. Ramadan yeah. either way, but Fridays. Yeah, blessed yeah. Right? yeah. It wasn't it wasn't Friday. I remember it was it was a Tuesday. I'm pretty sure it was a Tuesday. But um, yeah. so. So then when we, um, and so, so humbly love because, because, um, cause I don't, I don't know what it's like in the U S but in the UK, you know, they, they love to do autopsies and stuff like this. They love to, um, like, why did this person die? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they, they love yeah. that, that kind of attitude. It's like, no, she, I mean, but because, because it was obviously it was cancer, uh, they released the body immediately. We were able to, um, to do the Janaza and, and everything the same day, um, bury her the same day. Uh, and that actually was one of her fears. You know, it was one of her fears that what if, what if I live to old age and I die and then they want to do, they want to dissect me or whatever it is and find out what it is. So she, um, alhamdulillah, you know, that's that's what she was blessed with. Um, and everything after that was beautiful. It was a beautiful, it was a beautiful day. Uh, you know, my wife and some of her sisters, they, they, they washed the body, brought her to the masjid, we did the janazah, we, we took her to the, um, uh, to the, to the graveyard buried or made to offer her and but during that day and then the days that followed 
that's when all these questions started coming up, mm -hmm. right? Because everyone had just been like hit with this death. They'd never really been hit with a death like that way. Like, I, and I was the same. So uh, people were looking at me and saying, okay, well, can she see us? Can she hear us? What can we do to benefit her? Um, the little kids were seeing stuff, you know, because the kids are, you know, kids are pure. They're seeing stuff. Like um, we had one niece at the time. She, she went into the room where, where my, where my mother-in-law used to pray uh, to Hajjut. Um, cause that, cause that was, that was her, that was her standard. She, 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 her, her norm was that she would wake up every night without an alarm clock. Uh, and she, and, and she's called the eye in and, 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 um, right. And those early dawn hours, they seek forgiveness. I 18. So she would wake up and she prays, she, she prayed to Hajjud. So, uh, one of the uh, a niece at the time, like she, she, she went, in, she went into the room where her mother-in-law used to pray and she came out and she said, I, she said, I, I can hear, I can hear weeping coming from the walls. SubhanAllah. Ajeeb. Ajeeb. You know, just Ajeeb stuff like this, like you know, weeping coming from the walls. We had um, uh, another nephew, which is an interesting story, but another nephew, um, he saw her in a dream because remember, it's obviously because my wife's family is, is Pakistani. So she, she's called Ami John. That's what it refers to as Ami John. Ami is like mother. And then John is this meaning of like darling. And so he had a dream. And then he said, and then he woke up and he said, oh, I, I saw Ami John in Jannah playing with a baby. All right. It's an interesting. I saw Ami John in Jannah playing with a baby. All right. Now at the time, his, his mother was actually, uh, this, this, this nephew, his mother was actually pregnant. She was, she was carrying a baby. That baby ended up being stillborn. Ajeeb. So, uh, you know, you know, it's just like, like so weird, weird, weird things like that. And then, and then a lot of people were also just seeing her in dreams. A lot of people were seeing her in dreams, just seeing her in a really happy state. They, they saw her like in lights, uh, looking very happy. Um, uh, one of the things about my mother-in-law, she never had, for example, like she never had a chance to do hajj. Right? She never had a chance to do a hajj. This just wasn't uh, written for her. But one of my, but my, one of my brothers-in-law, he had a dream. I think just after, because you know, after Ramadan, the hajj season starts. So one of my brothers-in-law, he saw her in a dream, and she was like getting dressed to go somewhere. And he said, "Where are you going?" And she said, "I'm going for hajj." Yeah, you know, my, my time has come. I'm going for hajj. So, so all all these all these things came together, and. People just wanted answers, like, like, what is this? What's it's, it's just like it's not something we can comprehend. So then I spoke to my teacher, um, uh, the Hajj Abu Jafar. Uh, so I got, on the, I got on the phone to him, and he said, "You need to reach out to Sadur by Mama Siyuti if you really want to get the full, uh, <laughs> what is it, unpasteurized, <laughs> unadulterated, raw, organic." truth on these on this mm -hmm. on these issues then you need to reach out to by mama Siyuti. so um i immediately started getting on on the case and so i went back to morocco like within a month afterwards and i went to the first bookshop i could and i, I got a copy um which was this one i actually got this copy of show so this is the uh and and i got it and i started reading and then i started realizing that because Hajj Abu Jafar, he said to me at the same time, he said, you know, we don't have anything like this in English. He just said, you know, we don't have anything like this in English. You know, if you, if you actually, or you or someone could bring this into English, it would be such an amazing tool. We just don't have this. So then I, I just put two and two together and thought, I, I can do this. I can translate this. 
and then I can dedicate the reward to her. Subhanallah. That, 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 that was the intention I made. So, and I, and I actually started working out that case. Well, if I did like a page a day, I've done it. So I, so I worked it out. And what I really like about this uh, copy, the um, which I bought in Fez, um, this is where I got the numbering idea from because mm. that, that edition has all the, all the books, everything's numbered in there. Yeah. So that's what I started doing. I, start, I started doing like a page a day. I, I did about 12 chapters. Then I got sidelined with other stuff because a, a year later we moved. My wife and I, we did Omra, we moved to Jeddah. Um, and I got, I got caught up in other translation projects because that's what happens. And then I went to, um, to visit Darul Minhaj in Jeddah. I don't know if you got the chance to go there when you were doing Omra. Never went, no. Uh, next time you go, you have to go there. Dalman Hajj, the actual, the actual original bookshop where they make up books. So I went to Dalman Hajj Jeddah, and I was thinking, I was thinking about thick books, right? Because they're they're, they're like the big, uh, they're like the top publishers now. Shafi thick books, right? Mm. Like like if, if if you're into Shafi thick, you need to know Dalman Hajj. <laughs> you need to know them, and they also what? do Maliki stuff. They also do Maliki mm. stuff. <laughs> but but if if you if you are a Shafi, you will be told get the, the, the Dalman Hajj edition of whatever book it is. Mm. Um, so I went down there and I just went into the, I went in, I asked the brothers, where's your thick shelf? So then I went and I was just standing there facing this massive thick shelf. Whoops, my microphone. Um, facing this massive thick shelf. And as I'm staring at, I'm just looking at all the titles. Some guy behind me, uh, he's like looking at our shelf. He says, I, I just hear this voice saying, Wamada an sudur. Guy like literally just said that to me, Mada and Shah Sador. Like he literally means, what about Shah Sador? I'm like, Shah Sador, Shah Sador. Oh, Shah Sador. Oh, yeah. Right. So then I was like, okay, go back, go over to that shelf, find it. And it's like, it's this one, right? It's it's the Dal Minhaj edition. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm like, oh my God, did I forget? <laughs> I don't know. I need, I need to get back on course. So I, I, I bought the book there and then, um, took it home. It's okay, I need to start. Uh, getting cracking on the, get, get cracking on this, and it started working along. Like and and so I really started um, putting more effort into it. Um, there was a brother in the UK also who contacted me about it. So like we like to see this in English. So he was putting pressure on me about it. Um, and I, I started getting weird dreams. Like is, is this is there's a brother in the UK. I saw I saw this brother from the UK. Um, he was in my dreams. Like where's the book? Um, I saw another dream where the, the concierge of my building in Jeddah was having a go at me. <laughs> like weird stuff like this. Like he's there sweeping the floor, like, hey, Matthew, shut us the door. Where is it? SubhanAllah. <laughs> so 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 I just I just really um got into it and um really put my head down and I finished uh in the summer of 2016. Mm. Um then I was looking at uh, at some publishing options that, that just didn't come together and um it, did, it didn't work out for whatever reason and i don't want to blame anyone for that but but like my wife especially and her family they were like really on my case like matty you've done the book where is it so we're waiting we're waiting we're waiting so because of this whole covid thing i ended up being in the uk and again when i left when i left jeddah because of the whole covid thing and i was packing my stuff Again, I was only thinking when I was packing myself. I was, I was, I was actually thinking about. I wasn't thinking long term. I was just thinking about bringing enough books because I was, I was doing my MA thesis at the time. So I was just thinking about, like, I need, I need, I need some like I need books for my MA. I need to bring that with me. I'll bring some thick books. So I always have some thick books on me. And as I was packing, 
you know, I, I saw Shoto Sador on the shelf. I thought, I might need that. <laughs> you know, that's I saw the other pack that in with me. And um, so around last fall, because when the, when the situation meant that I wasn't going to go back to, uh, to, to Jeddah, I had to stay and, and teach online. And then I thought, you know what? Okay, I've got the Arabic book with me. I've got everything on my laptop. Why don't I just print it for my family and see how it goes, right? And then it just one thing I started so sort of asking my wife and she's asking her sisters, okay, what do you think about the cover? What do you think about this? You know, how, how do we get together? It's like, okay. And then it's like, well, this actually looks okay. You know, the cover, mm -hmm. it's okay. You know, okay, why don't we just publish it? So I just, I just did that. So I just I put it on Lulu, sent it around. Um, and everyone was, was really happy with it. You know, um, my, my wife, because it, it was especially the women, the sisters were like really on my case. Like we need this book out. My, my, my wife was always on my case, her sister's on my case. And then when it finally came out and my wife shared it with all her friends and they were like really happy. And, um, and one sister said something really beautiful, which, which, which I thought was a really nice reminder, really put things in perspective because um, because my wife was, was was sending it out to people and and saying you know, like this, this is you know, my husband translated this and he did it for my my, my mother my, my mother and um, mashallah and uh, so one sister like she ordered it she got a copy and she got back to my wife and she said subhanallah she must have been an amazing woman that this came about subhanallah you know that this this actually this happened happened for her yeah you know, this doesn't happen for many people it's happened for true. her and that and that and that just put it in perspective for me I, I realized alhamdulillah you know I'm just a tool here right i'm just i'm just i'm just an instrument this 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 is a law's um love for her and a law's mercy for her and I'm, I'm i'm just the means of it well alhamdulillah that's that's great and and that's been the joy so ever since the book has come out um what's been really enjoyable is um yeah there's some of the, the just emails i get from people or comments mm -hmm. I get from people you know and, and people just you know, making to offer her, <laughs> you know, someone will email me from Singapore and say, you know, I, I saw your book. I loved it. May Allah have mercy on her. And this is, you know, it's like, what more, what more could I ask for? Um, so, and just, and people saying to me, cause again, I, I, it's not just, yes, it's for her, but I also want to bring that book out. Yes. There's, there's, there's the theological knowledge that we can use to refute certain people, but just the solace and the comfort that comes out of reading this book. And, and that, that's, that's been the most, um, rewarding thing of it all is, is just when someone says to me, listen, someone in my family passed away. I read the book. I started reading the book. I just found so much comfort in reading it. I brought solace to my heart. I now feel that I, I know where my loved one is. And, and so that's what I've been able to do. So the beautiful, I mean, like one of the great things I've really, really enjoyed since the book came out is um, every time I hear about someone passing away, I get an address. Mm. right <laughs> i get an address like really so what's his address and then i send them a copy you know and yeah. then and then you know they might contact me they might not copy but it's just i'm able to do that and that's just and i i feel it's again i think i don't know i i i think for years and years and years i've really felt um because again death is a part of life right you know the mortality rate for life is 100 percent. we all die mm. so when someone when someone tells you of death or informs you of a death and you say to them, you know, 
right? There's all these du'as you make, but there's always this sort of feeling like, I wish I could do more, mm-hmm. right? I, 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 like, I, I, like, you know that person in serious pain. So it, it's really fulfilling in that sense where I, I feel like I, I'm not just saying ta'aziyah, I'm actually giving something people something meaningful that they can actually benefit from. So I've, I've, I've really enjoyed that. I've, I've just sent the book out to um, lots of people now in different parts of the world, just colleagues or people that I hear about, whether it's mm. in the US, Australia, uh, New Zealand, Europe. It's, it's been really, um, that's been really, really rewarding. Um, What's the website that people can get the book? Okay. Um, I'll send you the links so you can put them before uh, below. But so um, the, the main website is Lulu. Um, that's the main uh, publisher. So, so, so Lulu.com. Um, mm. That's that's where it's published. And, and Lulu, they print and distribute throughout Europe, North America, and Australia, right? So if you're in any of these countries, um, uh, and New Zealand is included in Australia, so they will they will deliver to Australia. Uh, the exception is Asia. So what I've done with Asia is I've teamed up with uh, Brother Jalaluddin of Noah Books mm-hmm. uh, in Singapore. And so he's he's my distributor over there. So what he's done is is I've sent him uh, a copy of the book and they've reproduced the cover and they're, they're printing it separately over there. So he's the distributor for there. So, so it's now available at Noah Books. Uh, it's available at Wadada Books uh, as well in, in Singapore. And... You know, for any anyone who's a bookshop in 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 the uh, in anywhere in Asia, basically, you can just contact uh, Nawa Books and arrange for that. Whereas in the UK, there's also uh, Medini Propagation in Preston. Um, they're selling copies as well. Uh, if you want to actually walk into a bookstore, but for all, for online purposes, yes, it's uh, Lulu so, will deliver. So you go to Lulu.com and you look up the title, the opening. Yeah, of the hearts. opening of the hearts. Yeah. I'm telling if we're, you, if we're, if we're, if we're on YouTube, we can put a. We'll t- we'll um, do that, Charlie. Yeah, link. Yeah, I'm telling you, there's really nothing more powerful than the death than a righteous death of a righteous person. Mm. And mm. Um, I remember, um, uh, sounds like for this, this was maybe one of your first big ones. And I can say that I've never witnessed anything in my family. Like I've never had a family member pass away. I've had my my wife's grandfather pass away, mm-hmm. and her grandmother pass away. Uh, no immediate immediate. Uh, like parents or anything, but I did have a best friend who passed away mm-hmm. and it was a righteous passing too. And I want to tell that story, but first I want to introduce Alex who's cute came while you oh, were yeah. relaying the story. There was really an amazing story about your, your mother-in-law, mashallah. And, and did you see this took place in England or in Pakistan? It's all in England, all in England, all in England, subhanAllah. It's all in England, yeah, subhanAllah. So, uh, before we I tell my story, Alex, uh, do you have any story like that of a, of a death that was so powerful? I think maybe you had, uh, was it Zainab's father, your father in law? Was that after marriage maybe. or before? That was before we got married, mm. yeah. She was uh 16 when her father passed away, mm. subhanAllah. subhanAllah. And then, uh, while we were married, my mother in law. And also my father. Really, we uh, we've been through almost the whole gamut. Subhanallah. And wow. and, her, and her brother a couple of years ago. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, I didn't I didn't really come prepared to uh, to talk about it, but I mean, a, a lot of what Sheikh Mahdi was saying uh, relate I can relate to it. And uh, you know, the one that I was uh, I experienced the most and was closest with was my mother-in-law. Mm. Um, Allah, Allah. And uh, 
Yeah, Allah that was uh, that was really something else. Um, actually, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, Subhanallah. I'm not going to have anything to say about it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I have I have. Uh, uh, seen numerous occasions where a, a righteous person's death transforms their family. Mm. And you don't need to talk about uh, the truth of Islam anymore because mm. people who don't read, don't think, don't study, they witness what they witness and they know what they saw. Mm -hmm. And there's no reason ever to even broach the topic of the truth of Allah and his message after that. Yeah. Because it's you seen what you saw, and this is ex the explanation of how there was such widespread illiteracy, illiteracy in the Islamic world, yet a very high degree of faith, mm -hmm. and is not to do because they're illiterate. They just listening to the only uh, literate Mulvi that's in the town, right? No, mm -hmm. it's that they're on the fitra, they're pure, and as mm -hmm. you said, like your niece and your other friends. And someone dies, you start seeing things. Yeah. You can't deny it. You saw it yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, one incident that I remember uh, was my best friend. And it wasn't an incident. This is a major, major, major time in our community. And mm -hmm. in, um, back in their 90s, such a blessed decade. I wish, like, uh, you know, I almost tear up when I think about those years that. Uh, we were a small community, very small community. If there was a gathering of 50 people, that was huge. Right? That was pretty big, the gathering of 50 people. In New Jersey? Uh, in New Jersey, yeah. Mm -hmm. it, 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 there wasn't this uh, boom of, a, of Muslim population mm -hmm. that happened mm -hmm. later on. Mm -hmm. But uh, he was basically really one of the um, star sons of the community. And because he has this bold personality, very bold personality. Mm. And he was a tall and slender uh, young man. And I would say he was the boldest personality and he was the leader of the group. There's no doubt he was the leader of the group. He had the leadership mm. personality of mm. the group and everyone honored him and res everyone respected him. Even adults uh, knew that he was the ringleader of our crew. Mm. Uh, well, he decided in college, in our third year of college, I actually... I finished high school early so I can catch up with them and go to college as a freshman with them. Right? Mm -hmm. his, his name is Basim al-Rifai, may Allah have mercy upon him. And he has a twin brother oh, wow. named Khalid. And there was another, our teacher, uh, or like the local teacher was Dr. Ibrahim Bukar and his son Ahmed was, we were the four that we were always hanging out. And then there were other great friends too, like a lot mm -hmm. of good guys. But we were the four that were always together, mm -hmm. like inseparable. We would go by the week sleeping over each other's homes. If just, mm -hmm. I didn't have girls uh, in my house, they didn't have girls in their house. So our parents let us sleep over by the week. Right. Mm -hmm. So in the summertime. So when we're juniors in college, uh, he decides to do uh, Italy uh, a year abroad, mm. semester abroad. So his second semester, he loved Italy and he uh, went for the spring term to Italy. And he wrote, uh, and, and you know, most people, when they travel for the first time and they're alone for the first time, he what, which he never was alone. He's a busy house, always a busy uh, community, busy house. Uh, in contrast, unlike me, it was, I was always alone down in Tom's River. And pretty much my sister was much older and she was out of the house. I was always alone. He was never alone. So he was getting his first shot of being alone, right? Day after day after day. 
and he got very deep and he wrote me very deep like letters of contemplation and things like that well we get the news that um there's been an accident a swimming accident and they can't find and they can't find him so they send in uh their version of the seals like the navy seals or whatever italian version and then the americans go and uh, the Egyptian authorities were there too. A lot of different authorities. It was a lake and there was one other American with him. His name was Andrew. He was from Atlanta, uh, mm. em- Emory University. He said, uh, we, we wanted to swim across this lake. We overest- were underestimated the lake mm. and we, we couldn't get through. And uh, uh, there was a boat coming, but he couldn't last. And uh, he narrates this story that's so amazing. Mm. Right. Everybody got such a dosage of Iman from this story. He said that he was struggling, he was drowning, and he was trying to catch him, get up, and he was trying to hold him up, and it was really bad. Mm. He said, but then at, at a certain moment, just like a snap of a finger, he stopped. He stopped struggling completely, and he mm. pushed him away, mm. and then he started saying, putting his finger up and saying something in the Arabic language that he didn't understand. Well, we know what it was, right? Yeah, we know it's going to be the Shahada. Yeah. He then uh, said, I tried to pick him up again. This time he got upset and he hit me my hand away. Allah. SubhanAllah. And then he went down, uh, drowned. Allah. And, and the kid was like, they're searching for the body. But, you know, when we know he didn't go to shore. He didn't swim ashore for sure. Right. Yeah. It was... I can tell you the shock that the mm-hmm. whole community was in. It's, everything was canceled. There were finals. You could write to the university. The university postponed the finals of all the Muslim students who were friends with him. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah. Uh, everyone was just camped out at their house in Middletown, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. All the friends. And uh, it was the, 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 the mom was just beyond besides herself. I can't even imagine her calamity mm-hmm. and, and the father as well. But that young man, that Italian guy, Andrew, he came back. I don't think he'd ever seen anything of what he saw mm. in terms of all the people that were, as you know how deaths are, everyone's crammed in the same house. Now, this was an emergency shocker of a death, mm. right? Not yeah. an expected, you know, uh, death. So everyone is sleeping over. Everyone's cooking food. We're all at the, mm. mes- at the masjid for Aza. He'd never seen anything like this. By the end of the weekend that he spent, he took a shahad. Allah right he Allah said because Allah. he saw it he said he i saw him just stop struggling mm. yeah. uh, put his finger up say the shahada which he mm. didn't understand of course at that time and then when he tried to save him one more time he pushed him away completely mm. and then uh he passed he drowned uh well years later mm. we came to learn that that young man's uh family like mother father you know mm. wife i don't want to misquote but it's something like Three, four people all took shahada oh. too. Oh wow! All took too. But for our entire friend group, we've been reading about the afterlife. Mm. We've been reading. We know the hadith that the drowning person is a shaheed. Yeah, we we know these things, right? But now we get to see it in person. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, many people saw dreams mm. uh, that he was, um, you know, in a uh, in a good place. And he came to his father in a dream. And mm-hmm. he said, be one of the mukhbitin. Now, mukhbitin is not a very popular word mm-hmm. in the Quran a couple of times. And he yeah. said, what is the mukhbitin? He said, go find it in Surah Al-Hajj. 
between mm. verse 40 and 50. Subhanallah. The father wakes up and he opens Surah Al-Hajj and goes to read from verse 40, reads all verse 45, right? Allah. Uh, Give good glad tidings to the mukhbitin. Uh, or I, can't, I don't want to misquote the ayah. Right. Uh, but they have patience. Yeah. Those who, when they're struck with a calamity, they have patience. Yeah. So, subhanallah, uh, things like that, when it happens, you don't, you don't uh, think twice. Mm. It, the truth of this deen is as true as the sky is blue and, and that, and that mm. we're on planet Earth. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I have a question for both of you. Um, this is something that like, on the topic of death, because you, you've all experienced, you know, we've all experienced the same thing. I, I, something that I just, I just noticed recently, I was wondering maybe if you've noticed the same thing is, you, you know how, you know, uh, people who are not Muslim, you know, when they always talk about someone dying, they say, oh, he went too soon. Mm-hmm. Right. Also, like it was before their time. And they, they, they use these kinds of expressions. And, you know, looking back now, because it's now been like 10 years, looking back now, um, it's like, yes, when the death first happens, it's like, yes, that, that person leaves a really big gaping hole mm. in your life. It's, like, it's, it's just this unfathomable just gap in your life. But then as time goes on, you sort of look back and you think, yeah, I don't see where this person fits in. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't see where, like, had, had, had this person managed, lived, I, I don't see where they fit in right now. SubhanAllah. Yeah. It, 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 it's like you, 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 like no that person died exactly when they were supposed yeah, to die that's Allah, true. Allah, Allah, Allah called that person home at the right time there's no too soon too late no yeah. it yeah. happened when it was supposed to happen because I had because I'm, I'm looking at now like what's what's you know transpired in my own family since that time I was like I, I can't see where yeah. my mother-in-law fits in now yeah like and she went when she was supposed to go it's a sunnah of Allah too that there's never a vacuum yeah there's always people filling in different roles and things shifting around. And there's a reason for that. And there's a, it's a rahma. And if you think about, for example, the death of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said, my death is good for you. Yeah. Now, we know that the death of the Prophet was good for us in the sense that what the Prophet meant is your deeds are shown to me and I make toba to, for, for you or I yeah. make a stigh, uh, not toba, I make a stigh stigh for you. And yeah. if I see good, I thank Allah. But there's another wisdom for why the death of the Prophet because the death of the, the when as the Prophet passes, uh, goes to Rafiq al-A'la, it goes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now the Sahaba have to act mm. and they're a sunnah for us. And yeah. tribulations that could have never arisen in the time of the messenger of them because he, he would have quelled it as the prophet. There's yeah. religious Absolutely. qualms, religious Absolutely. debates are now answered by the Sahaba. And yeah. that those problems would have never arisen if the prophet was present. Yeah. And now we have precedent of how to handle those problems. Yeah. We also have various leadership examples. Sayyidina Omar Absolutely. is very different from Sayyidina Abu Bakr. Sayyidina, how could you have a community Right, without if we, without that doesn't refer back. Well, Sayyidina Uthman did things like this, Sayyidina Omar did things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Which is very different from the Prophet, who's flawless. Of course, yeah. if it was the Prophet for all the all that we had was the Prophet, he wouldn't be sufficient, right? Mm-hmm. But Allah's wisdom is to mm-hmm. show us the fruits of the Prophet, yeah, 
because the fruits of, 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 a, of a tree is very different from the tree itself, but it is of the tree. Mm. But there's a wisdom for why the Prophet ﷺ was given this, right? Uh, yeah. uh, uh, at that timing to return back to Allah. Exactly. So these voids, like you said, they're filled, but they're oftentimes filled with something as beneficial, but also relating to the one who passed away. Yeah, absolutely. You know? absolutely. Could you imagine if he, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, had outlived all of his long-term companions? Yeah. What, what would happen? Yeah. SubhanAllah. Yeah. 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 Subhanallah. Subhanallah. Very Because that's a beautiful. I think that's the other thing that, like, like you're talking about, like these. Because, because that's what happens is that is, is after the Prophet Sallallahu goes back to Allah, we have this. You know, you know, the authority comes forward. Now we can see yeah. where authority comes from in Islam. Like the, those companions step forward. Abu Bakr is made the Khalifa and then and then and then Omar who sets up Ahlul Hadi will act. So we, yes. we, you can see you can see where these. The great fuqaha and the muftis of the Sahaba, they come forward, and, and now the, the that authoritative structure is now in place, and that's yeah. passed on, and which wouldn't have happened otherwise. We, I've, been, I've been to another death, another funeral, which this family you'd never right seen a family react to a death the way this family reacted. May Allah Ta'ala uh, always keep us friends. They're an Afghani family, they have about four or five sons. One of them was on a car in California and you know, that were, I think it's route one that, that the coastal highway, basically. And two of them are driving. Two Jersey guys are driving. The car flips with them. One of them comes out without a scratch. I'm telling you, I was standing right next to him at the funeral without a single scratch on his body. Mm. The other one died. Right? Allah, Allah. Mm. Passed away. They brought the body back. I'm at the funeral. And I see like an army of white coming at the funeral. Allah, these Shabab, these Shab, these youth had decided that they are coming to this funeral with Husnadan almost as if it's a celebration. That firstly, Allah. we know that we, they treat the car accidents, the fuqaha, as the same as the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu said the building falls on him. Right? Yeah. So they treat it the same. It's martyrdom. Yeah. It was a hafiz of Quran. Yeah. Right? The father was smiling yes. the entire time. I didn't see him crying at all. I've never seen a father like this. Allah, I'm telling you, the iman was coming out of every orifice of his body. Yeah. And I just couldn't stop but looking at him. I couldn't stop looking at him because he was smiling the whole time. He said, my son today is in the best place. He's much better than living with us on this earth. Right. Allah, so why should I be sad? Hmm. I to myself, subhanAllah, nobody needs to speak at this funeral. Yeah. Right. No one needs and consolation. No one needs consolation. The uh, yeah. the boys were all wearing white, head to toe mm. white. Yeah. Even the pants and the shoes were white, right? Mm. Subhanallah. Uh, ever since then, when I see people dressed in black at a funeral, I take it as like a bad omen. Why would you wear black, right? Isn't this supposed to be the day of like rejoicing for your deceased? Well, no. is, well, that's well, is that more than Christian culture, though? I mean, yeah, the, the, well, the, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes Muslims get I mean, influenced by that. Yeah, because right? the Prophet, the Prophet did wear a black amama in the Feth of Mecca. Yeah, so black, black is supposed to be color of victory. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, I mean, it's, 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 but in the culture in the West, though, that's that's yeah. an influence. Like, I, I, in, in in Morocco, for example, white is a color of mourning. Because because right. it's heavenly, though, right? Yeah, it's heavenly. Yeah. I mean, think about it. You want to be optimistic. The Prophet did not like that someone lights a torch in a grave. Yeah. Like you go to the graveyard and light a torch. 
mm-hmm. not, allowed, not allowed to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Well, why? Because it's about symbolism. They're, these people are trying to avoid the fire. So don't yeah. bring the fire into uh, the graveyard. <laughs> right? yeah, that's about a lot. Yeah. We're all about this symbolism because the more symbols you look at, you, it starts to affect your heart. Yeah. And um, so, so to see people dressing in that, in that way, it's become foreign to us because there was another death we had in the community. Right. Now, I don't want to, I don't know if the families want us to mention names, but he was a very older gentleman, a very older man. He, he was a, um, a gentleman as if he's some stranger he was somebody who lived decades in the community and his kids are decades serving in the community many 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 kids that funeral happened he'd passed away on a friday in ramadan right friday in ramadan the funeral i think was like saturday or sunday it's something like that right funerals mm-hmm. on a weekend now one of these weekend funerals in ramadan there are no weddings on the weekends there are no gatherings. There are no like there is no lunch. People aren't doing soccer. People, everyone's free on the weekends. Those funerals are the biggest funerals. Allah Akbar. Right. And this funeral was massive, but mo- I've never MBIC was was so packed that day. But on top of that, I remember that right after as the casket was being carried out, and Qari Zahid, he opened with some ayat of some verses from the Burda. He started mm. reciting from the Burja. I'd never experienced anything. I had goosebumps. Mm. I had goosebumps as they were carrying the casket out. Right? And he mm. was reciting some verses of the Burja. It mm. really just felt you're ushering someone to paradise. Yeah. That's how it felt. Yeah. Because the day, the death of a Friday, a Friday death, mm. a, uh, a weekend in the month of Ramadan. Yeah. Everyone was there. It really felt, and I'm like, well, I was pointing to all the people that I could. I said, this is how, this is the goal. That's what we're, go- we're living for. You're yeah. not living for anything here. You're mm. never going to have a moment like this. Because mm. any moment like that, that you have, the most glorious day possible, you still have to wake up the next day, right? Yeah. yeah you got yeah. to go about life the next day, right? Mm. Uh, this one, yes. that's it. There's no tomorrow. There's it's, Jannah it's in your grave. It's, it's Hosnul Khatima, isn't it? That's what it's it is. Khatima. It's, I, I, it's interesting you said it because I, re, I remember it's a long, a long time ago. Because because this is not this is like a really ancient idea. I remember as a as a teenager around before I, you know before I became Muslim, I, I was reading um, the histories by um, by Herodotus, you know, the mm-hmm. Greek historian. And he tells a story in there of, of some old wise man, like this is way before Socrates, he's a guy called Solon, mm-hmm. was a wise man. And he was, and he's, he was telling the story about, you know, these, these two twin boys who grew up and they were both very, very strong physically and, and they were very, very successful and they'd reached middle age and they were married, they had kids and everything. And, and, and Solon was asked about them. So like, like what's next for them? And he said, the best thing that can happen for them right now is death. Subhanallah. <laughs> it's comical, but but it's, it's, that's the thing. But so that's it because because again, like 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 that, that's what you you remind me when you said like because you have to live another day. It's like now now you've reached that that peak. Yeah. Now it's the time tonight. It's it. That's why Sayyidina Ibn Abbas was so wise mm. when he realized and he put two eyes to put two and two together. That mm. Surah Al Duha says about the Prophet: "What is to come for you is always greater than what is past." Yeah. Right? And then that he knew it was known that the Prophet Sallallahu goal was to bring Islam to Mecca. If, if, if Mecca submits to Islam, mm. the entire Arabian Peninsula will submit to Islam. 
Yeah. And that was the day after all of that, uh, that, that struggle and the persecution from them and the mockery from them that mm. they finally entered Islam on the conquest of Mecca. Then was revealed. Sayyidina yeah. Ibn Abbas said that this, uh, this surah is the marker, is the hint yeah, that the Prophet's time has come, because yeah, they can't yeah. get any better than this, right? The yeah. Prophet did not love any city more than Mecca. So it's not like if he conquered uh, Byzantium, he'd be happier because Mecca was the city he loved and he expressed yeah. that. So there could be no higher uh, objective. goal, objective. That's it. Yeah. So, and Allah would not allow for his messenger to have like a slouching career at the end of his life, right? <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> many people do. Yeah. Think about Malcolm X, right? Yeah. He died at such a time. How many people are there that are legendary? Mm. There's only one problem. They keep living. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Then they screw it up later in life and they tweet something or say something or yeah. the times change yeah. and they're out of touch and you're like, oh man, his heyday was so much nicer. I wish mm. you know, we didn't have, to, didn't have to screw it up later in life. Allah protects his prophets from this, right? Yeah. And that's why, why Ibn Abbas said that, that everything yeah. else was tying up loose ends. Right? Yeah. And that's what the Prophet did. And then he passed away. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Well, that's why, that's why like, one of the principles I live by, and I, I put it in my book, The Big Step, is we judge the living by the dead. Mm. You know, because, because the dead, you know, their book is closed, right? Yeah, Whereas, you know, that, that, that's, that's why when you're, you, know, you, you put your trust in, in those other men who've passed away, because... Yeah. Yeah. It's an open showcase. Whereas if, if you if you rely on someone who's alive, mm -hmm. you don't know what's going to happen. That's true. They right? could have a zenda, a mistake. Yeah, yeah, a yeah big mistake. exactly. Right. And uh, it's amazing that they say that uh, there was a big sheikh in Egypt and mm. they said to him, uh, you know, this career of yours, we have to write a movie about you. We have to make a movie about you. And his response was, well, you got to wait till I die first. You don't know what's going to happen. I know. Yeah. You don't know what's going to happen, right? Yeah. And I'm telling you that, that the husn al-khatma is so important that the funerals mm. of these ulama tells you everything about them. Yeah. yeah. And that's why when you attend one, two, three, four, five of these, you realize perspective. Mm -hmm. But that perspective, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And the issues of life get smaller and smaller and smaller because you oh, yeah. realize when you've, when you've witnessed it so many times that it's seared in your head, that arch enemies, mm. people who hate each other in this life, in this community, yet mm. when they come to the funeral, it's all tears and hugs and it's all gone. Right? Yeah. Now I, you've seen this once, you've seen it twice, you've seen it three times. You realize what's the oh, point of being enemies in the first place. Don't be enemies because the person's going to die. You're going to cry over them. You're going to hug yeah. their mom. You're going to hug their, their friends. Mm. You're going to pray for them. You're going to say good things about them. And I had people that I had rivalries with and mm. they died a wonderful death. And I'm like, oh, maybe I had a rivalry with the wrong person. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Subhanallah. Subhanallah. So, uh, so the, it's interesting. I've read a, a few books about um, the history of the coming of the Europeans to America, um, you know, especially the conquering of South America. And the one thing that really stood out to me is that death was like rampant. I mean, we're talking about whole, whole communities being wiped out um, from disease, from war, from famine, from all of the, the, the effects of the invasion, right? Like I'm talking about in some, in some countries, it was like 90% of the population just gone. Um, wow. Wow. 
we're talking five, 450, 500 years ago. Um, these are all people that lived, souls that Allah created, put on this earth, have left the earth, never having, uh, never having learned even, you know, an iota of what the deen teaches us. I mean, they may have been on some fitra. They may have had some ancient uh, religion that was uh, from Allah that, you know, there were some remnants of. But these are people that didn't have even the most, even a second of worship the way that Allah has prescribed for us, right? SubhanAllah. So every second that we have, mm-hmm. we're already benefiting more than mm-hmm. millions of people that have populated this earth. SubhanAllah. Like the death of a Muslim is something to, it's, it's a person that dies on la ilaha illallah. This is the, the most tremendous mercy, the greatest benefit that Allah could give us because the vast majority of people that have lived have lived without that and died without yeah. that. And it's yeah. almost as if, they, and many of them, they have no recorded history. Nobody remembers. I mean, to be honest, outside of the Muslims and some 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 traditional communities, most people don't know their great grandparents' names. So true, Allah. Like you freaking. live, you die, and you're gone. And the only thing that was going to matter is what you take with you of Dean. How how crazy is that? I mean, uh, I mean, Alex uh, lives like five minutes from me, and you know Ayub and Rahana and Jannah. Just to fa- think that their grandkids won't even know who I am. I mean. It's likely. It's likely, though, right? Muslims know their lineage, right? That we we do if we're if we're practicing and we observe that, right? But many of the city Egyptians, I can tell you, did not protect anything, right? When they came to the cities, they lost it all. I don't know my great grandparents' names. That's crazy. I mean, I I could ask my mother for her grandparents' names, and she'll know them. So maybe I should I should do that. Let's say, but that's it. Yeah, and let's say, <laughs> well, let's say, uh, grandmother, let's say I could list who my the names of my grandparents, mm. and that's about the most that I know about them, right? Mm. Like, for example, my mom's mom mm. never had her picture taken because they just didn't have camera, like at that time, mm. or, like she didn't have a camera, right? She there's not a picture, no, I don't, none of us know what she looked like except my mom, right? Uh, but that's like, hold on a second, you lived half your life with that woman half your life with these kids. These kids have no clue of anything about that woman, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, we're forgotten that quick from this world. Why and why are we investing so much, right? And caring. This world, yeah. yeah. Like, as Sheikh Sharawi, he puts an amazing thing and he said, the first, the sign that this dunya uh, just, just swallows you up and, 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 and like the, the bad dunya, not the world, the earth, the bad dunya just like, uh, kicks mm. you to the curb is that as soon as you die, they stop calling you by your name. They say, where's the body? And Alex speaking about the ver- value of having Islam. There were two brothers. I love this story. It's such an important story. One of them, Sahaba, was more uh, closer to the, it was closer to the prophet. He used to attend to the prophet all the time. The other brother was not. He would attend Jummah and come back, mm-hmm. right? And he was not as in the circle of the prophet as the other one. Mm-hmm. So they said, then he died. The, the one who was close to the prophet died. Then six months later, the other brother died. So they said the more righteous one died six months before the other one, the second mm. one, the less righteous one. And the Prophet said, but didn't he fat, didn't he get six months of extra salah and one yes. extra Ramadan? 
How do you know mm. that that didn't catch him up or past yeah. his brother? Mm. Like we're belittle the basics. We belittle yeah. these things, mm. right? And they're not small. Mm. You know, subhanallah. That's why oh. any Muslim who passes away, and this is, I used to always wonder about this too. Well, what's the point of going to a funeral? I don't a person, I don't know. And I'm making du'a for this person, right? We've all oh. been to a masjid and all of a sudden it's salat al-janazah. And you're like half-hearted about it. I don't know this person, right? I'm not, but I realized there's a secret in that. Mm. Some people, if you knew them, you wouldn't make du'a for them. Mm. It's the stranger who doesn't know them, who's yes. just going for the reward of it and say, no, maybe a stranger will come to my prayer, Jannah's mm. prayer. Let me make a strong du'a for this person. Mm. And you see the people crying and you feel bad for them. So you make a strong du'a for their loved mm. one. I'm telling you, I think that it's so important that you, you do that because you don't know. Sometimes you know somebody because mm. you know them. You're, it's impossible for you to be as sincere and as uh, mm. much as the people who don't know them because sometimes <laughs> they did bad things. There are some people who do bad things. Well, I think I, you know, I, I always tell myself because I've, I've, I've been in situations in so many messages where there's a janazah afterwards. And I, I always like as soon as they announce a janazah, I, I tell myself to stay. Yeah, because you, you just have to ask yourself, listen, one day that will be me. Mm -hmm. And I don't want people walking away from my janazah. Yeah, you just have That's to tell yourself I that I, I don't I don't want when I go, I don't want people walking away from my janazah. So inshallah, if I stay, I don't know who this person is. Yeah, I'm going to stay. I'm going to make dua. I ask Allah to forgive them. And inshallah, Allah will reward me so that when this happens to me, mm -hmm. people will stay for me. I don't want people. Just, I don't want that. I don't want people walking away. Uh, Alex and I did a ghusl for a man. Nobody knew. It's the first time we saw him. He was Muslim in New Brunswick for a few years. And uh, we watched him. I'm telling you, this man looked so crisp. He looked like he was a man who had taken a shower and went to sleep. Mm. Right? This well, brother. Directly from the barbershop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like he had, a sh uh, he had went for like uh, uh, to the barbershop like that morning or something and passed away or something. He looked so crisp and his forehead was glistening. I remember thinking to myself, it looks like he's about to sit up, right? Mm. Like open his eyes. And that's how much nudity he had in his face. But the, this man, he was about to marry a woman. Woman was not a Muslim, right? She was a Christian. Mm. She saw the funeral by the end of that weekend, she became Muslim. Allah that woman has now been the cause of probably half a dozen shahadas from her family, multiple from her family, from her cousins, from her friends. She's a, a social person who knows, who has a huge family, and she knows so many people in New Brunswick. And so many of her friends and her cousins have entered Islam. And she's oh, now wow. like one of the leaders in the convert circle. Yeah. Right. But look at, she's doing all that, just like you wrote this book. Mm. But what was the impetus? Yeah. A man that nobody knew who became Muslim and his death Allah. is was the impetus of her becoming Muslim. Allah, Allah. I'm telling you, death is one of the most amazing things. And and that Allah chose, you know, the name of the of, of the Islamic Center is New Brunswick Islamic Center, right? Mm -hmm. Even though we're in North Brunswick now. Yeah. Um, I, I think somebody in his family, whoever it was, it might have even been her, just contacted MBIC because it was, they're in New Brunswick and that's the New Brunswick yeah. Islamic Center. So they were yeah. like, I guess that's who we got to call to handle this. That's exactly mm. what it was. A Google search. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. By the way, it could have been any number of massages in New Jersey and the experience might have been very, very different. 
That's so and, true. Uh, so Allah, Allah chooses even the, yeah. the exact place and time for the person so that yeah. yep. there was, in this case, it, it caused tremendous benefit. I, I still remember that call to this day of just an absolute random stranger calling up and saying, hey, uh, there's, a, there's uh, you know, this man is dead uh, and he's a Muslim, right? And he needs to be buried as a Muslim, mm. right? And then uh, we said, okay, let's do it. And then the mother called and said, what's going on? I have no clue what's going on. I said, don't worry, we'll take care of everything here. And, and we did, alhamdulillah. And uh, uh, the rest is history from there. Allah Akbar. SubhanAllah. Sheikh, uh, did yeah. you know that uh, I was one of the people that went to see Bassam, um during? Oh, you went to Italy, right? Yeah. Oh, subhanAllah. We were, we were there for Eid, the big Eid. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. SubhanAllah. Yeah. I remember a bunch of guys went. I didn't. I wasn't able to go. And uh, SubhanAllah, that's amazing. Yeah. Can I ask a question, because you yeah. guys are in that in the New Jersey. Do you do you know any do you, do you know about Imam uh, Abdul Khalik in Nyack, New York? I know an Imam Abdul Khalik, but I think he's, he's Egyptian from North Jersey. I think no, he's, from, he's he's Haitian. He's Haitian. No, I don't know him. I don't know him. Well, that's part of it. No, because it's it's interesting to talk because he he he's one of the people that I, I sent the book to because um, mm-hmm. he's very close by because his. Because you're, you're talking this, this, about people who become Muslim and relation of death, and it's it. I a similar story happened uh, with this this brother where um, uh, he's, an, he's, an, he's an imam of a masjid uh, in Nyack. I think is that upstate New York? Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's like halfway up. Yeah, halfway yeah. up, like so on the way to Syracuse, right? Yeah. Um, so his his mother passed away. His mother, his mother, his mother's in her nineties. She said that she had it a year ago. Wow. And she's in her nineties, like nine, like ninety five or ninety four. I saw, I saw the video, and he was very, very close to his mother. And then she passed away uh, in, I think it was March, like Rajab, like around the time. So, and Imam Abdul Khalik, I didn't, I, I don't know him that well. Um, he, he, he just, I was put in touch with my another brother because he was asking me to translate some qasidas for him. Um, so, I, and I, I was doing that for a few months, just translating a few qasidas every, every couple months for him. I found out that his mother passed away. So I, you know, like, give me an address. So I sent an address. Um, and then he got the book and then he texted me. He says, Oh, uh, thank you so much for the book. He's really happy for it. He said, thank you so much. It came at the right, it said, it said, it came at the right time. That's what he says. It came at the right time. Uh, he said, I've been using it in my khutbahs. I'm really loving it. Then subhanAllah, he fell ill. Mm. And then I think just after Ramadan, he passed away. Subhanallah. You know, he, he came sick. He was put. He was put, he was put in the hospital, and um, and and he passed away. And it's just and it's just uh, weird. And I, I I still got that WhatsApp message from him. I just go back, and that's the last. That's the last thing he said to me. Like, your book came at the right time. <laughs> and 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 he doesn't know why he's receiving it. Yeah, he's, he doesn't. He's thinking he, he, it's for, it's for his else. mother. Yeah, he's reading. He's reading because 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 it's giving him comfort for his mother's uh-huh. death, and he's just reading about it. And he's putting his chutbahs, and then he falls ill, and he's in the hospital. And then because uh, of another friend we know, uh, a common brother called Muhammad, who's who's like our 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 contact, and he was interesting. You guys mentioned Italy because Muhammad lives in Italy, and he flew over to New York, hmm. and then he was told like, listen, Imam Abdulhalik, he's like in hospital. They're 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 telling him that this is, could be his last day. You need Ajib. to go see him. Ajib. Uh, you ever you ever think of how uh, impossible it, it seems that somebody that you know you know to be dead 
right? It seems like impossible. Yeah. Right? It's something we can't fathom, you know? Yeah. And then it happens. Yeah. Like, I mean, sometimes, like you said, the believer knows, and sometimes it comes as a sudden shock, such as the uh, Qari, the, rest- mm-hmm. the Somali, or sorry, the Sudanese reciter who passed away about six months ago or eight months ago. Okay. Right. Uh, Nurain, Sheikh Nurain. Okay. Yeah, Sheikh Nurain in, in a car accident. That was a big shocker to the whole world, especially there were, uh, you know, the people who were into recitation because he had such a unique Sudanese recitation. You could find him still online on YouTube, but that was a big shocker. And some, so it also reminds me of like, you ever get the feeling that of that you were sick really badly and then mm. you're healthy and you're like, mm. I can't even remember what it was like sickness, right? Mm. But then when you're really sick, you're like, I can't even remember what health is like, right? <laughs> and yeah. life and death is like that. It's like, I can't imagine some, you know, the people around me dying. Like that moment is something you can never imagine. But, but it happens, right? And it wow. happens and there's no age. Yeah. I wonder if someone took the average age, if you averaged out all the ages of deaths, mm. you know, what would that age be? We know that the Prophet said the average age of our ummah is 60 to 70. Yeah. Right. Uh, I don't know if so, but, but you know, like the percentage of those who die young, mm-hmm. younger than that, and the percentage of people who die older than that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's, it's, that's a, it's an interesting question. You know, that how people say that uh, life expectancy mm-hmm. a few hundred years ago used to be very short, like 40, 45 years, 50 years. Mm, it's not yeah. because people weren't making it into their 70s and 80s and 90s. Mm. But the infant mortality was so high that it that skewed, it skewed it. down. I see. Yeah, yeah. It makes sense. Mm. So, yeah. so the average age got really short because of all the children that died. You know, if you go to the to the cemetery where uh, where most of the people we know are buried down in uh, uh, whatever whatever town that is, Millstone, Milltown. Yeah. I don't and even know what that is, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Conover Road. Conover Road, yep. 33, yeah. 130. Yeah. Yeah. There's the, the section with the graves for the children. Yeah. It's, just, it's huge. SubhanAllah. Yeah. I think there has to be more children buried there than there are adults. And that's SubhanAllah. Yeah. That, Subhan- it's and every time every time I go, it's just it's bigger. Yeah. SubhanAllah. All these little grave markers. SubhanAllah. Ajib. Yeah. It's also interesting as well, because when you when you read biographies of like Odama, like going back a thousand years, either more, they're not living short lives. Right, <laughs> they're they're living to be 60s, 70s, 80s, yeah, 90s. Even people like they'll call the they're living a long yeah. life. Yeah. So it's like this 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 idea of oh look like now life expectancy is reaching 80, 85. Yeah. Like no, it's, <laughs> it's I, 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 I was doing some research for that that convert class we had on the companions, mm-hmm. and uh, the number of Sahaba that lived past 100, Ajib. like there was a lot, Subhanallah. like a lot. Yeah. Like probably more than you hear about people living past 100 now. It's I think really amazing. A lot of really cool uh, in that community and in yeah. those people so yeah. really benefited the Ummah. Like uh, Sayyidina Abu Bakr, um, his, uh, his daughter Asmat was like oh, yes, that's true. Like that. That's yeah. true. Yeah. She saw it all. She saw yeah. it all. She saw her son become the Khalifa in Mecca and then and he'd get killed. Yeah. So I'm get killed. Well, like Abu Bakr's father... Mm-hmm. Um, who became Muslim after the Prophet returned to Allah? Subhanallah. Which, how old was he then? Right? Yeah, that's yeah. true. So we're talking. We're talking that's about true. these are men in their sixties. Yep. And this is his father. Yeah. Yeah. Subhanallah. 
انس انس ibn malik radiyallahu anhu i think it was mm. 120 mm-hmm. he lived to the a prophet said and prayed for his long life and many offspring which yeah. if you think about it anas ibn malik lived 10 years as the prophet's assistant yeah you want that person with that intimate relations with the prophet to live a long life to have many kids and grandkids and he said he counted over 100 uh kids and grandkids combined yeah. kids grandkids and great grandkids they didn't marry at the age of 25 and 30 like us they married a lot younger mm. so they're having grandkids a way earlier right and you could live four generations great grandkids he counted over 100 said Anas but, Malik. Yeah. I, I remember i remember sheikh muhammad Yaqubi once said that the 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 sahaba that generation they were more advanced than us in mm. every single way including in terms of uh understanding of medicine and technology and science and nutrition and everything else yeah. Like there was nothing that we are better than them at. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That they that, that certain things weren't employed or that certain things weren't developed or mm-hmm. uh, put into into or created or built simply means that they had more wisdom than us in terms of what they should and shouldn't do. Yeah. So the fact that they were able to live that long, it's not a coincidence. Only it's 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 the barakah that Allah placed in their lives, but also the fact that they took the means. Yeah, those means were way better than we do. And when it comes to technology, Allah says, He taught the human being what he didn't know. If you think of every invention, all that any invention is, is that at some point or other, Allah has willed to lift a veil that was blocking something that already existed. That's ikhtishaf. It's discovery. It's not It's, it's discovery. Yeah. It's not yeah. It's, yeah. it's a veil being lifted. Yeah. You discovered it's something. It's always been yeah. there. But Allah veiled yeah. it for a reason. He yeah. unveiled it, and then you took it. If anybody else had made that discovery, they would have done the same thing with it, right? Yeah. Right? Like one discovery leads to, let's say, a dozen different technologies or tools. Mm. If you had taken that same discovery and was made in the time of Nuh, they would have made the same tools, mm. right? Well, no one's smarter than anyone else. It's just no, when right. did Allah you look, will? You look at some of the hadith of the Prophet, وسلم, that... In 2020, you go, you know, that could really mean this. Yeah, this, that's true. That, that's very recent. That's true. And yeah. there's going to be stuff in the future that people are going to look at these hadith yep. and say, you know, that's probably something that was just discovered now in mm-hmm. 2180. Yep. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that, like when they the unveiling say, already all happened. It all happened. And, mm-hmm. and for him, mm-hmm. that's true. And wow. we're looking at, for example, uh, Mecca clock tower and saying the Prophet, he predicted that they're going to compete in building these tall buildings. Yeah, they they might build a hundred a hundred uh, tower of a story building, maybe small in a few years, right? Mm. In a few more years, they may have these foundations that are dug so deep, and mm. uh, that you might have three hundred uh, story buildings and five hundred story buildings in the future. Who knows? And then you say, well, that's the extension of the prophet's okay. prophecy, right? They're both his prophecy. There's right. some theoretical stuff called like uh, space ladders or sky ladders. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it goes all the way up. Yeah. You'd have to get a book. You'd have to get a book uh, to ride the elevator up, right? Because you're going to be there. Right? <laughs> There's going to be lunch served in the elevator. Right? <laughs> well, uh, it's Maghrib here. I don't know what time. It must be much, much later where you are. But I really thank you for, yeah. for coming out and staying awake at this time. Right. Inshallah. And uh, and really uh, being patient with us. 
to do this episode. This was to me one of my favorite episodes because of the topic of death and these stories. Uh, and I think you know the listeners, inshallah, in the Taala, this will touch their hearts and they'll really benefit. And and I think there's so many people out there that can relate and they can pass on their own stories uh, of these of course, blessed yeah. deaths. And we're going to name this episode Blessed Deaths because that's exactly what it is. Two quick things before we go. Mm-hmm. Um, one, I just want to apologize for being late. I had some, some things that I had to do. Uh, okay. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. The other thing is, uh, my wife who was in the background listening, she was walking around doing stuff. She, uh, she actually had a question um, regarding is there any way that you can increase the likelihood of uh, having some 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 dream uh, about a family member or something of that? Anything that the ulama have written about? Okay, I think the the thing about um, seeing people in dreams, I think we have to get to back it up. First thing is is what what you can do to benefit them, um, and this is uh, also making dua for them. This is reciting Quran for them. And I've, I've got this on my blog. I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you afterwards. As I translate from the Athkari, I'm going to know there's, there's a section on benefiting the deceased. And it's also like speaking well of them, but reciting Quran for them and then dedicating the reward to them. Um, send the reward of this to so-and-so. And this is discussed by Mama Siyulti because the, the early day Shafi's we're not of that opinion. They, they, they didn't believe that the, that the reward actually reached. But Imam Asyuti discusses that in Shah Sador. I believe it's actually comes up the discussion of Aliz bin Abdul Salam. I think it was, I believe it was, uh, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it was Aliz bin Abdul Salam who in his lifetime, that was his opinion that, that the reward does not reach mm. for reciting the Quran, does not reach. And then Imam Asyuti tells a story that after his passing, one of his companions saw him in his dreams, and in his sleep, and he said to Al-Islam, what do you say now about this? Mm. And Al-Islam mm-hmm. said, read, read for me. I see it. I can see it. I can see it. I can see it. <laughs> Keep reading for me. So, so these are things that you can do for them. The, the, the charity, sadaqah for them. These are all one of the things you can do. So that's leading into the idea of the dream, right? Where you're, 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 you're building that relationship with the person because when you recite quran for them it's related that when when, when they receive it it's like a, it's like a, it's coming on trays of light to them in their grave so we want to be doing those things now but the dream the dream thing is really interesting because only allah knows whether you can handle it mm. that's the thing only allah knows whether you can handle it so with with uh like for example, like my, my, my family, my, my, my wife and her siblings, like my wife gets regular dreams of her, of her mother, uh, one, like one of her sisters does and one of her brothers gets like regular dreams. Other ones don't, right? And like one sister who's actually there when she passes, she doesn't get dreams of her. And so, so this <laughs> does lead to some kind of like debate, like, like, why are you getting it? I'm not getting it. And the, the real question is, you're probably not getting it because you don't need it. Right. Right. You don't need it. Maybe there are people, they do need it. Right. Whereas you just don't need it. Or if you did get it, it would just, it would, it would devastate you because I, because like it did happen to me where about three years after she passed away. Yeah. About three, about two or three years after she passed away, I I did see her in a dream. Like I, I I never seen her. I, I saw her in one dream and 
I just like I hugged her in the dream, and it was like it was very very like a vivid, very 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 vivid vivid dream. Like I, I remember like holding her, and it was it was exactly as I remembered it, but it, it crushed me. Subhanallah. Like I I woke up and I I was just like weeping profusely. I, I it was just it was just almost well, it, was, it was it was like she just died again. Subhanallah. It was just like it was like just way too overwhelming. So I was like, on the one hand, I was like, because okay, I, I, I think I'd wanted to see her dream. I, I thought maybe left out or you know, a lot of shows. And then it's shown to me and it's just like, it just hits me like a ton of bricks. So it's like, it's you know, be careful what you wish for, <laughs> so to speak. You know, so uh, that's my advice is do everything you can for them. Recite Quran for them, dedicate the reward to them, give charity for them, dedicate good deeds to them, um, all these things. And inshallah, you will see them. But, but if you don't see them in a dream, there's a wisdom behind it. There's a wisdom behind it. I, I, and Allah knows that wisdom. So maybe it's because it'll benefit you, but maybe it won't benefit you. It could be just be too overwhelming for you or, or whatever. Hmm. And Allah knows best. SubhanAllah. That's a good answer. That is a good answer. SubhanAllah. Hmm. All right. Uh, any closing comments, Alex? Besides that? No, no, oh, right. One thing. Uh, yeah, actually, one thing that I've been thinking about um, very quickly. Um, the sadness that you expressed right now, um, I really 100%, I felt very much the same way when my mother-in-law passed away. Um, oh, like I, uh, one of the leaders in our community and one of her husband's closest friends um, was trying to get me to say something uh, at the, and I just, I, I, I couldn't, it was impossible for me to speak. It's possible. Um, at my father's funeral, when my father passed away, I took care of all the arrangements. I. Mm. did everything and i barely cried at all and uh, i was yeah. completely composed with it um not because it was any less sad in fact it, it's much worse my father died and not a muslim um if anything if if my feelings were completely only for the person that passed away i should have been crying a lot more for him by my experience and the experience of everyone that that got to know her was a very righteous woman um, mm. beloved by the Muslims. And she, she passed away at, on a Saturday night and her janazah was the very next morning and there still was like cars down the street and oh, gee. it was a huge, it was a huge janazah with, yeah. with like just overnight notice. Oh, um, but I was much more sad about my, or I, it was much harder for me to deal with my mother-in-law passing away because mm. of the sadness that I felt for myself and for my wife. Yeah. Um, so it's not it's not that we necessarily feel bad for the person that passed away. No, no, yeah, the righteous no, person no. we should celebrate them. We just miss the that I was feeling for myself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, yeah. the more the more the more righteous and the more beloved they are, the more we miss them and the harder it is for us. But for them, we should be happy. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Even in our absolutely. sadness, we should try to be happy for them. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Thank you. Alhamdulillah. Thank you, brother, so much. everybody. Again, go to lulu.com to get if you're in North America or England. Uh, to or get Europe. yourself or Europe to get yourself this copy. If you're in Singapore and Malaysia and New Zealand and Australia, you have to go to uh, other locations, which we will put in the link in this uh, video at the bottom of this, uh, both SoundCloud and on YouTube. You can uh, see the links and you can click away. Jazakumullah khairan. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruk wa natubu ilayk wal asr. Inna al-insana lafi khusr. إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر والسلام عليكم
ذو باب الرجاء والناس قد رقدوا وبت أشكو إلى مولاي ما أجد طرقت باب الرجاء والناس قد رقدوا وبت أشكو إلى وقلت يا أملي في كل نائبة ومن عليه لكاش في الضر أعتمد أشكو إليك أمورا أنت تعرفها مني على حملها صبر ولا جلد أشكو إليك أمورا أنت تعرفها ملي على حملها صبر ولا جلد وقد مددت يدي بالذل واقفة إليه يد فلا تردنها 